you're not that fragile, man. And neither is any person listening. And it's worth it to allow yourself to be uncomfortable for a healthier, more expansive life. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art, or music, or screenwriting, or dance, or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full-time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. With ShipStation, your small business can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. Go to ShipStation.com and use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. We're also supported by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with tons to explore, real projects to create, the support of fellow creatives, and it empowers you to accomplish real growth. Do something today you couldn't do yesterday with classes designed for real life. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash dreamjob and get a one month free trial of premium membership. Also, thanks to Purple. Your Purple mattress really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Get 10% off any order of $200 or more by going to purple.com slash dreamjob10. Promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. And thanks to Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get started with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer is valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So real quick, I just wanted to say if you're around this Wednesday, July 21st, you should definitely come join me. I'm doing a free live workshop. It's called How to Choose Your Dream Path. It's going to be at 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. And I'm going to talk to you about how to take the steps to turn your passion into a purpose-driven business and what are the possibilities out there for you. And if you if you love two or three different things, how do you choose which one is going to be the one that you're going to be able to turn into your dream job? It's going to be a lot of fun and it's totally free. So you can sign up at kathyheller.com slash workshop. You can get all the details there. All right. Well, I'm really happy because today Terry Cole is on the show. She's a psychotherapist, a global relationship empowerment expert. She's a podcast host. She's an author and founder of the Real Love Revolution and Boundary Bootcamp. This episode was so powerful for me. I actually did an Instagram live about it a couple of weeks ago, right after we did the interview. I have not stopped talking about it. I feel like she totally hit home with everything that she was saying. Terry has worked with famous celebrities, athletes, thought leaders, and Fortune 500 CEOs. She empowers 250,000 people every week to create sustainable, positive behavioral change in their lives. She has an incredible book called Boundary Boss. It's a guide on how to break free from over-functioning, over-delivering, people-pleasing, and ignoring your own needs so you can finally live the life you deserve. There's tons of actionable strategies, scripts, and techniques packed in there. So 
you should definitely go grab yourself a copy. You can also check out Terry's podcast, The Terry Cole Show. On her show, she covers topics like practical psychology, meditation, mindfulness practices, and real life strategies for personal transformation. Some of the awesome guests she's had include Sherry Salata, Stephen Pressfield, Gina DeVee, and so many more. So go listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Terry is such a wise, deep soul. I'm so grateful that she came to be a part of our show. She's going to help you walk away from any disordered boundaries and any codependent habit you've built so you can honor your own well-being. Before we get into it, I just want to mention we actually made a workbook for this. It's free and it has takeaways and some questions so you can put the lessons that Terry is teaching into action. You can grab that at kathyheller.com slash 479. All right, without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Terry Cole. Terry, I'm so happy that you're here. I always invite people on who I respect, but you in particular, I like need more of you in my <laughs> life. Your work is something that helps me find some sense of myself, some sense of power. So thank you for coming today. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for having this forum so we can all help each other. So can we start with how did this become your work? Why this topic? Why boundaries? Why codependency? Why helping people get healthy and find their way into the way we connect in a healthier way? Well, I think that they say, you know, you teach what you most need to learn. And for me, for sure, I was a boundary disaster in all of my 20s and probably some of my 30s. And I didn't realize that's what it was, though. I couldn't identify. You know, I was in therapy, thank God. So I got into therapy when I was like 19, stopped drinking when I was 21. So that also created like an eyes wide open experience in life. But I was um, a high achieving, people pleaser, you know, helper type personality, pretty positive, like, you know, kind of an optimist. But I was having conflict in my relationships and I was exhausted and I was kind of young to be as exhausted as I felt. And so why boundaries is that my long journey brought me back to understanding that that was what was missing is healthy boundaries, my ability to assert my boundaries. And the way that I identify this, because I also felt like it was confusing for so many people. After I got out of the world of entertainment, I became a psychotherapist. When I became a psychotherapist, by that point in my life, I was my mid-30s. I was like, oh, now I see it wasn't just me. This whole not knowing what a friggin' boundary is, that is an epidemic. All of my clients, and there was a real similarity of these are women who are running the world. So nobody would look at them and be like, oh, they're a hot mess because they were not, and that's not how they were presenting. But the problems, no matter who they were, no matter what they were bringing into my office, I could connect those dots backwards to disordered boundaries and the inability to communicate effectively. That was the, the crux of the problem. So I simplified it for my work. I've been teaching this for many years. That's why I wrote a book about it. I simplified it to what are boundaries? What does it mean to have healthy boundaries? It means that you, Kathy, you listeners, know your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers, right? Like the non-negotiable things in your life. And you have the ability to communicate them effectively, transparently with clarity when you so choose. So that sounds simple. And yet when we really drill down to what that means, it means putting yourself first, 
right? It means knowing yourself. You know, so much of the time we do what we do because we don't want to be rejected. We're fearful. So anyway, that was the longest way around the barn. I don't know if no. I even answered the question, but no, I think you, you got totally it. answered the question. Oh, good. Okay. And when you said it sounds simple, I was like, no, it sounds so hard. <laughs> um, you said right before we started recording, you said there's a lot of human beings out there who are just highly functional codependents. Mm-hmm. And I think I only realized I was that like a year ago. I always thought being codependent means that you're a needy person. So you're dependent on other people. And I'm like, no, I go out of my way to never ask for anything that I need. And I'll do anything to set myself on fire to keep everybody warm. Oh, I'm completely dependent on everybody being okay so that I can function so that my nervous system can relax. Oh, okay. I think I'm codependent. I only realized it literally like a year and a half ago. What do you mean when you say high functioning codependent? And How can we identify if that's true? And then how can we kind of like walk our way through that? Such a good question Um, and a great realization to have. When I started my practice and started seeing codependent behaviors in my clients, I noticed that there was this pattern where if I would say, oh, hey, what you're describing is a codependent response or whatever. If I said, I think you're suffering from codependency, every single client would be like, what are you crazy? Hi, everyone's dependent on me, pal. I'm doing everything. I'm the go-to person. I'm the fixer. I'm making all the cash. I'm I'm like, right, that's still codependency. But I realized, so I actually created this moniker, high-functioning codependency, because that was my brand of codependency. And then it was what I was seeing over and over again with my clients. So I'll give you my definition of what it is. It is being overly invested in the feeling states, the decisions, the outcomes and the circumstances of the people in your life to the detriment of your internal peace, maybe your physical well-being, your financial well-being. So it's at the expense of something because you'll always have people listening being like, well, of course I'm invested. Well, of course you are because you're a lover. So right, we're all invested, but it has to be to the detriment of something. So if you're listening and you're like, I'm not sure, I don't know, I'm going to give you a way that you can tell where I'm going to ask you to check your urgency. So if something happens to your partner, your sister, your best friend, they're in a situation, how urgent does that situation become to you? Does it suddenly feel like it's happening to you? It's yours to figure out, to fix, start making suggestions, start Googling, start doing things because you need, there is an urgency, a compulsion to fix what's happening for the other person. That's codependency. That is actually codependency. And there's more because when you think about, we don't usually think about this, but what you just said, Kath, is the truth that codependency is overt or covert bids for control. We don't want our best friend making that terrible mistake by going out with that idiot. We don't want our kids growing grown little to do things that will make them be in pain. We don't want our spouse or our partner to fail. We, right. So it's like, we're doing everything, but that is a disordered boundary emotionally. And there's such a high cost, which we can get into. And then then I can talk about ways that you can identify it and perhaps start to step back, but we really have to look at the cost of 
this because I felt like with my clients, it's almost like they thought that, you know, I thought when I was doing it, that it was love. Like I literally thought I was expressing love to my sisters and whoever I was doing this with, which was literally frigging everybody. Like I was not discerning at all. It wasn't just the close people in my life. I would be, you know, giving advice to my mail carrier and the barista at, you know what I mean? Like I really would, could become, I think, codependent with anyone or feel overly responsible because really when we think about it, it's feeling overly responsible being over-functioning, which comes with this high capability, like you you can do it. So imagine it's like, you know, they say about Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, it's like high-functioning codependents are like Ginger Rogers. They're doing everything Fred Astaire was doing except backwards and in heels, where people look and they're like, so smooth, so graceful, like you've got it all together. You're the person that I come to. But most of the time, and I've literally never seen it not be the case, we're doing this at the expense of ourselves. It makes complete sense. And I'm extremely transparent with my audience. And we've talked about pieces of this, but I just want to like lay it out there for everybody, how hard this hits me. So I also became the breadwinner when my career blew up, right? And I have three children and I have three daughters And I'm the one making the plans for the horseback riding, as well as like the cool, like mindfulness class they're going to take, as well as trying to help my husband do his like passion projects and paying for the entire, like every adventure possible on top of like holding a mission that I like I'm setting out to do, not just a job, but life's really intentional life's work. And I had Danielle Laporte here a little while ago. And she said, you know, what's scary is I identify with some of what you do and people will say to you, you're crushing it. That is amazing. And if you were an addict of another kind, people would say, I feel concerned. I'd love to be available if you need to process or no, no, in your case, you are crushing it. Mm. And I have this little dirty secret, which is I find myself in between 17 hour long days of work and then helping with the kids and then holding for my family and then being the one who hosts every dinner at Mother's Day, everything takes care of, holds for everyone. There is like, I have the dirty secret of like being in between a call and I'm in the kitchen and I'm shaking because there, there is nothing for me. I'm completely abandoning myself all the time. And then I have this lovely tape of like, I have to do it all. I have to do it all. And poor, my husband's always like, no, you don't. You keep choosing this. You choose it, you choose it, you choose it. But when I tell you, Terry, and I don't know if anybody's listening can uh, relate, the amount of discomfort I would feel to put any of these balls down It is so massive, so massively uncomfortable Mm -hmm. from a place of they would be uncomfortable. Like, how could I allow them to tolerate me, me all of a sudden not being the one to hold this? And so I will make decisions based on not wanting anyone to be sad or uncomfortable. I'll be talking to someone for three hours. I won't get up to pee if I think I might interrupt them because they're speaking. That is extreme codependency, babe, which you know, yeah. 
which is what we're talking about. But hi, but I've never heard it this way because I'm always like, look at me crushing life. Like, <laughs> look at my business. Look how much money I'm able to make. Look how many cool things I'm able to write books and I do things and I have fancy yep. friends and like never would think yep. barely hanging on by a string. Oh, oh, without a doubt. And, and what I see though, Kath, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. And I see you and I know you and I know where, where you oh, are. No. I do because it's like something will happen in life because you will not. I hope that this moment, this conversation we're having today is going to be a pivot point for you. And I'm totally invested in that being true because something will happen. You can't do this forever. And the bottom line is women would come to me sometimes fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh decade of life and being like, what the hell? Like I've done it all. I've got all the money, got all the family, got all the kids, did the thing. Kids are on track. Money's in the bank. My spouse is fine. I go to soul psych three times a week. I have friends. Um, what, why I thought, I don't know. Is this all there is? Like, actually, is this all there is in life? And when you're checking boxes and when you're, when you're being driven, which high functioning codependency, we're really being driven by fear and yes, self-abandonment, but fear is really the big thing. Like we think it's love, but it's not. It really isn't. doesn't mean you don't love those people. doesn't mean I don't love my people. But the driving ourselves to insanity, that's driven by fear. And the reality is you don't want to be in the seventh decade of your life saying, I've checked all the right boxes. I've done all the right things. Why do I feel so friggin' empty and resentful? Because here's the thing. Not you, Kathy, nobody is powerful enough to stop the process from playing out the way it's going to play out. You don't think that these older women who are martyrs are like, can't wait to become a martyr, right? No, they become martyrs because they overgive and overfunction and self-abandon and are last on their own list for decades. And then suddenly they're like, you know who owes me? All of you people. After everything I've done for you, I can't believe you're going to move away. Like, it twists up your relationships. It also makes people not know you because you're not superwoman, even though you're amazing. And none of us are. And so this need to perform is, and this need to fill the gap. And listen, I'm looking at you because I was you. So there's no judgment whatsoever, ever. But that need, I'm going to tell you a quick story about what shifted this for me. I was in my late 20s by this point, and I was already frigging exhausted. And I was talking to my therapist and I was bawling my eyes out. One of my sisters always seemed to be in a bad, I have a bunch of sisters, always seemed to be in a bad relationship, abusive stuff, addiction. So I was crying to my therapist and being like, you know, I've done everything. I don't know what I'm going to do. She's living with this crack addict in the middle of the woods with no running water. That was true story. And the person is, and is abusive. It was all this stuff. So I would, I would talk to her and then I would, you know, cry hysterically. My poor husband, my everybody. And my therapist said, I'd send money, you know, you, you do all the things. And this is not the first relationship where I was in, I, I was choosing to do those things, but I didn't understand. It was such a compulsion. So my therapist said, let me ask you something, Tara. What makes you think, you know, what Jenna needs to learn in this life on her life journey? And I was like, well, I think we can all agree she doesn't need to learn it in a friggin' house in the woods with a crackhead obiter, do we? And she's like, no, I definitely can't agree because I have no idea. But do you know what's happening for you? 
And I was like, clearly I don't. So could you clue me in? And she said, Tara, you've worked for decades to create some sense of internal peace or harmony. She's like, your sister's dumpster fire of a life is really messing with that piece. So yes, of course you love her, but you would like her life to stop ruining your peace. And I was like, wow. And she's like, but it's not your thing to fix. And you think you're helping, but really you're probably impeding the process. She's got to reach a certain place in her own life. And you don't have to let her talk to you about this abusive relationship she's in. Because I couldn't tolerate that, which I see. It was so painful for me to tolerate her pain. And so I didn't realize I was allowing her to like call and dump, like toxically dump on me. I'd be like, do this. And I Googled this and I sent you a book and whatever. And so she'd get off the phone and feel lighter. And I'd get off the phone and feel like someone just poured toxic waste down my throat and then be sick for like days about what was going on in her life. And I said to my therapist, okay, but I want to understand this. I felt like I had to do everything to be a good sister. I have to do everything. And she's like, Terry, but what you're trying to do is not on your side of the street. Like it's not yours to do. And what really think about what you're doing. It's this, you want to control what's happening in her life and you can't. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? Am I just going to be like, bye? And she said, no. So what we ended up doing is I ended up saying to my sister, hey, I love you and talking to you about this idiot that you're living with is too painful. So just know that I'm going to step back. But if and when you're ever actually ready to get out of this horrible situation, I'm still your person. Nine months later, I only talked to her a few times in those nine months. Nine months later, she called me up and she's like, I'm ready. I was like, fantastic, getting in my car. And that was decade. That was a long time ago. She got sober. My husband and I helped her. We had this little lake house that we winterized so she could stay there while she was going to school. She became a nurse's, you know, all the things. Would she have done that anyway, Kath? I don't know. I don't know, but what I do know is that the moment I got the memo and really got it, that what I was trying to do was impossible and that it wasn't what was best for the other person because I do not know what is best for my sister on her life journey. There was such a relief of letting myself off the hook. That was the real thing. I couldn't believe I wasn't responsible for it. But then I got it and I was like, wow, this is not the only relationship you're doing this in, Terry. You feel responsible for every human being who crosses your path. And you're not. So now let's look at the secondary gain of staying in that high-functioning codependent position right? There's, there's stuff that we get out of doing it, not just because we're capable and it feels good to help others. A lot of times we just are helpers by nature, right? I just love to help a sister out. I love to help whoever. So that's one thing is we get to feel good about ourselves. But what ends up happening is that we also feel resentful. We also feel put upon. We volunteer to do things. And then in our minds, we're like, Betty's entitled. It happens, even if you don't think it is, but it is. And it is a disordered boundary. And what, what is the cost of that? 
is the bandwidth that you need to take care of yourself, your life, figure out what are my preferences, my desires, my needs, my limits, my deal breakers. What are those things? That takes time. It can't just be my preference is no conflict, right? Because that was my preference for a really long time. I was like, just nobody be mad, okay? Can that just be how it goes? Whatever I need to do to ensure that no one is mad. But all of that, like you were saying before, really includes the self-abandoning. This conversation is so good, but before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. Right now I'm visiting LA and we've been staying in hotels and other places. And even though it's been really nice to be on the West Coast, there really just isn't anything as comfortable as my Purple mattress. That's because Purple is comfort reinvented. Only Purple has the grid. It's a stretchy gel material that's amazingly supportive for your back and legs while cushioning your shoulders, neck, and hips. My favorite thing about the design is that it allows air to circulate and flow through the mattress so I never have to worry about overheating. What's also cool is that the grid bounces back as you move and shift like memory foam, which has craters and divots. This year I've been trying to prioritize a good night's sleep and having a purple mattress has been so helpful. It's like sleeping on a cloud with the perfect temperature every night. And right now you can try your purple mattress risk-free with free shipping and returns. Financing is also available too. Purple really is comfort for an uncomfortable world. Right now you're going to get 10% off any order of $200 or more. Go to purple.com slash dreamjob10 and use promo code dreamjob10. That's purple.com slash dreamjob10. Promo code dreamjob10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash dreamjob10, promo code dreamjob10, terms apply. When your business is ready to grow and it's time to hire great people, you need a plan to make sure it happens fast with the least amount of headache. That's why you need Indeed, the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Instead of waiting for the perfect person to find you, Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise, hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. You even can invite them to apply right away. And according to Indeed data, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than those who only see it in search alone. Plus, Indeed data shows that 90% of employers get quality candidates from Indeed's resume database as soon as they sponsor a job post. And according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Having a team has helped my business grow exponentially, but I know that hiring the perfect person can feel like just such a daunting task. So I definitely recommend taking advantage of Indeed's tools to stream that process for you. You'll be joining more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash dreamjob. Get a $75 job credit at indeed.com slash dreamjob, indeed.com slash dreamjob. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. It's just so beautiful and so true. I have a friend who her daughter was a drug addict and She used to come home smashed and just crash on her mom's floor. And she'd always keep finding herself out of a job and stay with her mom. And they lived in Buffalo, New York. It's quite cold there in the winter. And her therapist said to her, if you really want to help your daughter, change the lock. And she told me the story that that happened upon one winter night. And her daughter was trying to get in and couldn't. And her mom my friend was standing on the inside in the foyer sobbing and she was mom, mom. And then she started screaming, mom, what the hell mom, you know, and she's freezing and she was sobbing and shaking and just didn't open the door, just did not open the door. 
And she, her daughter was out there for like three hours until it was just so bitter cold. And she checked herself into a rehab because there was nowhere to go. She was like smashed out of her mind. She didn't have any money. There was literally nowhere else to go. And so her daughter now sober, she's been sober like 11 years. She's got two children. And she said, that must've been so much harder for you than for me. <laughs> Isn't that, it's, it's really the story that you also told in your own, in your own way. But this idea of like self-abandonment, like you were saying, I mean, God, we, we do it all day long in so many little ways. I, I listen to my audience say things like, well, who would I be to actually like charge for what I do? I'll just forget it. I'll just give it. I'll volunteer at the church. I'll do it for my daughter's school. I'm not, I'm not going to charge like this feeling of, I just would rather like not make anyone uncomfortable. What is the actual cost? So now you have belonging, but do you really belong to yourself even at that point? No. Who do you belong to? Nobody. Well, it's like this whole thing. Like, look at the way that we were socialized. It didn't even, it's not even, I mean, listen, yes, your family of origin, but there's a reality. If you were raised as a woman in North America, Europe, anywhere, you, this is like, be nice above all other things. Be nice. Be a good girl. Oh my God. Turn that frown around. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I mean, I could keep going. I won't. But we were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependents. Be we were trained. Be accommodating. Be pleasing. Be pleasing. Yeah. Don't be a drama queen. Don't stir the pot. Don't be a troublemaker, which really translates to that is the most important thing. Not how you feel, not what you think. It's like, where's my happy girl, right? Like, well, what if I'm bawling my face off and I'm sad? I guess that girl will be rejected. Yeah. So we learn to hide, to suppress emotions, to yeah. shove it down, to yep. put on a brave face, to all the things. But how can we ever bring our greatness? Like, first of all, <laughs> let's start with, how can anyone authentically love us if we never let them authentically know us? And when we are dancing backwards in high heels, People don't know us. We're saying yes when we want to say no. We're doing things that we don't want to do out of fear. We're being driven by our need to control. And the reality is people don't know us. I was so angry before I got healthy with my boundaries and before my, my therapy really kicked in like late 20s, early 30s. I was really like becoming like a full-blown martyr. I became like this weird bean counter where I was like, I can't believe she would say that when I've done X, Y, and Z for her in my mind. Of course, I was way too crafty to ever say that out loud, but I was like, look at who you're becoming. Do it because you want to or don't, but you cannot think that doing these things makes people owe you because, wow, then your motivation is wrong. And it's really you thinking, because when you think about what this really boils down to, it was so humbling to really grasp that I thought I knew what was best for everyone. My sisters, my friends, any boyfriends, like I knew what they should be doing all as a way to avoid myself, my own life, my own conflicts, what I needed to be working on, but I was going to fix this. And it was like a high. It was like getting, you know, you get a hit of a high because people are like, you're amazing and you just changed my life and you did this and you did that. And you're like, yeah, you know, just all I want to do is work, you know? I am. Um 
for me, it's, it's interesting. I don't feel it in the form of like resentment, except for when it comes all onto my husband, like all these people, I'm like, it's the least I can do. This is my role. This was my role in the family growing up, you know, dad left, mom was suicidal. Sister had a really hard time with it. Kathy was the happy, the fixer, got it. My work. That's what I, I'm like the favorite friend of all the friends. They come to me, they get the talk. It's all good. And then it all comes down to, but this guy in my house, boy, does like he not show up? Boy, does he do this? Boy, does he do that? And then he's literally like always trying to say, how can I help? What I'm like, you don't, you don't do this. You don't do this. It's like all of it gets mm-hmm. piled on. Like, can't you see I'm drowning? Why don't you come out from yourself and like save me? It's like, no, that's not your job. Like how codependent is that? And that is such a form of suffering that I'm addicted to, which I'd love to stop. My question to you and for anyone who's listening who can relate might have this question. So what do we do about it? Right? Like, I think anyone at this point who's listening, there's probably one thing we've said that you might be able to relate to. So if that's the case, how, when it's seriously, Terry, I feel like so many of us don't even answer the phone because we have a hard time even getting off. Like to the tiniest minutia, how do we Mm -hmm. begin to even like be brave enough to take like small steps forward? Well, one thing is I created a gift for your audience. So we'll start with that. It's codependency and boundaries. So that that'll be easy enough. It'll be boundaryboss.me forward slash dream job. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Hold on. So that's, that's one thing that you're going to do. It'll give you a sense of like, where are you now? like right now where it's kind of like it helps you an assessment of like, where is your behavior most codependent? Okay. That's so nice of you. We will put the link to that in the show notes. So, so what can you tell us about that next little step towards being healthier? (laughs) The first thing you have to have is the awareness. So part of this conversation, Kat, that we're having right now, hopefully is raising awareness for the people listening, but then we got to look at our, our lives and go, okay, so what is the deal? Am I saying yes when I want to say no, right? So let's let's just say that's the first thing that we're going to look at. Just feeling like you can't say no, just feeling compelled to say yes. And I feel like a lot of us are people pleasers or seeking validation outside of ourselves or too afraid to let other people down. So it might be too threatening to just start saying no when you really feel like it. So I always say everything that I teach, we do it super gradually, just baby steps. So the first thing is for the next seven days, no Insta yeses, no matter who asks you what, unless it has to do with a kid or your house is on fire, there will be no instant agreement to anything. You're going to start to bring into your vernacular stuff like, oh, hey, thanks for thinking of me. I need to check with my partner, my roommate, my dog, whatever. I'm not sure. I have to check my schedule, but I'll get back to you. I have a 24-hour decision-making policy, so I want to think about it. I'll get back to you tomorrow. Like just build it into your life because what ends up happening is that we think other people or we allow other people to a degree to create these timelines because when you're very high functioning, a lot of times there's an urgency. We just want to get things done. People get in touch with us. We get back to them. There's a, right. We're just like banging things out that we don't give ourselves the luxury of time. So when you first, when you do that, let's say you do it for the next five or seven days, you're going to see how that feels. So You're going to take a couple of those things that I said and just have them right in your hip pocket. Be mindful. Nobody needs 
an immediate answer from you. So much of this work around boundaries is about slowing down because we must slow down meditation, mindfulness practices, breathing, so that there's space to respond instead of react. And when we have our plates so full and we're so busy and so many balls in the air, like you said, there's no room to take a break, to think. And it's so much easier to go back and say no to something that you've either said a half a no, right? You've almost already said no, but you don't have to, right? But at least you have not committed. So that's going to be the first step. But the real thing is we have to look at the secondary gain. So that is the unobvious gain that we get by overfunctioning in our life. So there's obvious gains we could look at and go, oh, okay, people think you're great. People love you. There's a lot of devotion and loyalty that come from being the go-to person for others. I know this because that's was my life. But to figure out the secondary gain, I'm going to give you guys a question or two that you can ask yourself anytime you're stuck anywhere. So it's not just here. You can use this when you're like, how could I be in this kind of a relationship again? Or how could I have spent all my money again or whatever? Because it could be any, any behavior that you don't like, whether it's your own or it's an interaction with someone else. I promise you there is some unconscious something that's driving it. So the question is this, what do I get to not face, not feel, or not experience by staying stuck here or by continuing this behavior. So if you were to ask yourself, you know, Kath, we're talking about overfunctioning and being all the things for all the people, what comes up for you? If you just ask, hey, what do I get to not face, not feel, and not experience? So good. Okay, I have a few more things I want to ask you, but first we're just going to take a quick ad break. One of my passions is doing this podcast and we all have passions that push us to do big things in life like leading yoga workshops or selling your crafts online. But I bet very few of us have this deep burning love for logistics and order management and that's why they're ShipStation. They make it easy to manage your orders and get your products out the door so you can focus on what you really love, which is growing your business. That's why ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You can import orders from any sales channel, ship with any carrier using ShipStation's deeply discounted rates and automate just about any shipping task. No wonder 100,000 plus online sellers choose ShipStation. I know a lot of you sell on Shopify, Etsy, or your own website and no matter where you sell, ShipStation funnels all your your orders into one simple interface that you can manage from anywhere, even your cell phone. You'll even get access to amazing discounts with major carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, so you can compare carriers and choose the best solution every time. I love that with ShipStation, small businesses can now access the same rates usually reserved for Fortune 500 companies without the contracts or commitments. Ship more in less time for a lot less money. Just use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free shipping. Just go to ships station.com click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in dream job that's shipstation.com enter the offer code dream job make ship happen i 100 believe that every single one of us was born to create 
And whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or in grade school, you can explore your creativity and be inspired. That's why I love Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. With so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives, Skillshare empowers you to accomplish real growth. Whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you're creative. Discover what you can make with classes for every skill level, and Skillshare is also so affordable, an annual subscription is less than $10 a month. I love their classes on productivity and entrepreneurship, but I'm really excited to try out Emma Gannon's class. It's called Finding Fulfillment Using Pivots to Power Your Creative Career. I talked to Emma when she had me on her podcast and she'll actually be coming on the show soon to share her story, but I know that she's made a lot of pivots in her journey, so she's really an expert when it comes to navigating these big moves. She's teaching you things like how to map out your own pivot, time management, financial planning, rediscovering your passion, structuring new goals, and taking active steps towards becoming responsible for your own dreams. I know a lot of us are multi hyphen and constantly shifting in our lives. So I think this is going to be super valuable for a lot of you. If you're more interested in something like graphic design, illustration, social media, writing, music production, whatever it is, Skillshare has a class just for you. So definitely check it out. Explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash dreamjob and get a one month free trial of premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at skillshare.com slash dreamjob. Well, what comes up is I don't have to tolerate how uncomfortable it is if somebody gets mad or was to like abandon the relationship, it's almost for me, the worst part is like, they're mad at me. Okay. Something about somebody being upset with me is so uncomfortable. It's so hard to tolerate it. Yep. I don't just want to be like, they're not mad. I want them to be like, oh my God, she went above and beyond. Did you see what she did for my birthday? She didn't just get me a gift. She got me nine gifts. She decorated the whole house. She hired that dancing waitress flamingo girl. (laughs) Yeah. And there's also a shame. There's something that feels so uncomfortable. And I I know that people feel this way too, because I watch it happening all the time. If somebody's going to give to me, Ooh, like I have to give back not equal, but more so that I don't have to tolerate any of that gap between what I feel comfortable receiving and what they gave. Right. But here's the thing, all of that stuff, disordered boundaries, which you know, but it also blocks intimacy. So when I, when I first met my husband, I was such a control freak. Oh my God. So true. It's so true. Blocks intimacy. So when I first met my husband, I was single living in Manhattan. He was living in Jersey he would always want to do these nice things for me, right? Like, I'm going to come pick you up. And I'm going to, even though I was like, how does that make sense that you're going to pick me up? I could get on a train. It would only take 20 minutes, you know? Or he's like, I want to do this. I will get the ticket so you don't have to wait in the rain. My mother said to me, Terry, I have a question. Why are you denying Vic the pleasure that it gives him to do things for you? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he doesn't have to do those things. Cause I felt like I don't want to owe him. I don't want to feel like a burden. I don't want him to think that I'm greedy or selfish. It also to me, doesn't make sense. That isn't efficient. Why would you drive all the way from New Jersey to pick me up to go back? Cause he used to always say like, I'll scoop you up. Which of course, after my, after this conversation with my mother, I started letting him, but she was like, Tarrant, let, let, let me tell you something. If you keep rejecting his offers, the offers will stop, stop coming. And you will end up like me, doing everything for yourself, by yourself. I was like, oh, I don't want that. Okay. 
I have never put those two things together. It literally just brought tears to my eyes. The idea that one of these things that you might call a secondary gain, you've been using that phrase, is it keeps away another person. It's the, we forfeit having intimacy because you're reminded when my, my husband and I got engaged, we got engaged in September. We got married a few months later and my car lease was up in October. And so he went with me to look at getting a new car and I walk in and I'm like, okay. And he's like, you know, and we might have a kid over the next several years that you're going to have this next car. Let's look at it together. Let's make this bit, you know, maybe this is a good idea to have a bigger, whatever SUV. Okay, fine, fine. So then he says, why don't you let me talk to the sales guy? Just cause like, I want to be like the bad cop and you could be the good cop. And I go out and I come back in and he hands me the key and we're engaged. And he's like, it's done. And I said, okay, great. So now I'm going to like pay for it. And, and he's like, I just bought it for you. And I was so upset. I was so upset with him. I was sobbing. I was like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? Please don't do that. That's not okay. Like you did that without asking me. And he's like, we're getting married. Why are you making me feel so uncomfortable? I did it. <laughs> I think I did the right thing. Like I want to help. And I was literally sobbing to the point where there was like snot coming out of my face. I was like, you need to take it back. You need to take it back. And he was like, I didn't sleep that whole next night. Like two days later, he was like, what's happening? Like, why was that the reaction? And like, I'll never forget it, you know? So like, think of every other thing that's happened since. Mm -hmm. You could just kind of picture what my response is. And I never equated it with, maybe I don't want anyone that close to me. Like maybe it's a way for, and I never equate that. Like, oh, I get to like opt out of like so much intimacy, you know, because there is something around receiving. It's so hard. It can can be like their feeling of unworthiness or shame that you then have to tolerate is so uncomfortable. You'd rather just be like in your zone of comfort where it's like, I don't have to tolerate reminding myself that I feel shame or unworthy or, now I have to trust you more and ugh, who wants to do that? Right. So God, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yep. It's like, this is why I wanted to have you on. Like <laughs> how many of you listening? I mean, I know, I know who's listening, high functioning, amazing women who take, to take everything on. So, yep. so then how do we, I guess, become comfortable with having intimacy with human beings relying on in a healthy way, letting people give to us Mm -hmm. and having a different relationship with that, feeling safe around that, being able to come in and out and not feel swallowed up or not feel all of a sudden owned by someone or not Mm -hmm. feel all of a sudden, like whatever the 19 things are that make you afraid of intimacy, how can we rewire that? Well, you're not going to do that in a podcast, but you will, you (laughs) can (laughs) look at, this is the way that you've been relating and You've mentioned a couple of times in this in this time we've been yakking about how uncomfortable things make you feel. Here's the thing with being uncomfortable. You're not that fragile, man. And neither is any person listening. And it's worth it to allow yourself to be uncomfortable for a healthier, right. more expansive life where you can restore where you self-nurture, where you allow others to nurture. Because what ends up happening is we get into these relationships where even if, <laughs> when you're an overfunctioner, 
even if you got into a relationship with someone who functioned just fine, we can overfunction them into underfunctioning. Yeah, totally. Fact where they would have been fine until you're like, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. Or you're not doing it right. One or the other or both could be all of it. Like, I don't want it done that way. Just it's, forget it. It's easier if I do it myself before, you know, what people are afraid to do anything. I have, I have a close friend who's like her whole family is terrified of her and doesn't want to do anything wrong. And she's like, well, it's my birthday. So I guess I'm planning something. I'm like, yeah, because they're all afraid to do anything because you hate surprises and you hate everything. So you're planning your own thing. She's like, oh, so he's, he's telling me there's the money and I could do the thing. I'm like, right. And if he got you something without talking to you about it, would that have worked? She's like, all right, fair point. No, I would not have. I was like, right. So we, we can't have it all ways, you know? I think that what's important is looking at what are we so afraid of with the control stuff, healing this codependency piece, allowing the chips to fall where they may. It is not for you to make sure that no chips fall. It's you have to deal with what is on your side of the street. Every person listening has to really drill down to what is my responsibility? Oh, I'm on a work team and Betty never does what she's supposed to do. And I always pick up the slack for Betty. Now Betty expects me to pick up the slack for Betty. And I really can't stand Betty anymore. Like we put ourselves in these positions because we can't deal with the idea of Betty failing or being called on the carpet or getting into trouble. And yet you are not the boss of Betty. And you're barely the boss of you because you're actually being driven. If this is your behavior, at least I, that was my behavior. I wasn't really the boss of me. Who, you know, who was driving me was my fear mind, my ego mind. I was so afraid to be rejected. So afraid to be, I mean, what you were saying, Kath, I was so identified with about like, not just over-functioning, but like over-delivering to like the stupid degree where my whole thing was, and I think this is a lot with high-functioning codependence, is about being above reproach. It's like, I'm, it's not enough to just be a great student. It's not enough to be, you're the best student. It's not enough to, you know, when I was younger, it had to be the level where people were like, no, you are the one, the high and mighty, the most important to me, the, you know, above and beyond. I couldn't have done it without you. And I remember saying to my therapist back in the day, I was like, how much like adoration does one human being need? And even that doesn't make me feel secure or worthy enough. So what is it? And I remember with my husband, because I'd had a lot of therapy before we got together and he'd had a lot of therapy. So, you know, we've been together 25 years and it's been a very good, it is a very good union. But again, would it be if we hadn't had all that therapy? Probably not. And I remember after the thing with my mom telling me to like, let him do things for me, that for the first time, probably in my adult life, when I started really realizing that he was a trustworthy person and that it was okay to let him get close and that he was, he was who I thought he was, it was like I exhaled for the first time in my entire life is what it felt like. And I still would get moments, you know, once I believed that he wasn't going to betray me in some way, then I had like a whole year where I was like, he's definitely going to get run over by a bus. Like for sure, he's going to die. And then what am I going to do? I don't know. But like, as soon as I believed he wouldn't leave me, then I was like, but he's still going to somehow be taken away. Of course, upper limit right there. Exactly. Exactly. So awareness is step one. You're going to do kind of an inventory in the downloadable gift that I gave you. 
you guys can find it on the uh, boundaryboss.me forward slash dream job is where you can find the download. That's the beginning is you have to assess how is this coming out for you? And do you want to change? So it isn't about talking to other people in our lives like, hey, world, you know, get a megaphone and be like, everything is going to change. We're not doing that. It's going in and really the most, probably the most profound thing you can do right now, people listening, is do a resentment inventory. Where are you feeling it? Whether you say it or not, where do you feel overtaxed, underappreciated? Where do you feel pissed, like resentful of like, why do other people allow me to do all of these things, quote unquote, or expect me or feel entitled? And here's the thing, we have to change our dances. You know, we're talking about family of origin. We have all of these boundary dances we've been doing for a long time. And of course, the boundary troop that you've danced with the longest, which is your family of origin, can be the hardest one to change, but you can. And so stepping back, and it doesn't matter what other people's situation is, isn't your situation anymore. And who gets screwed when we still have this loyalty to family of origin to this degree, because I had the exact same situation, who you're really shortchanging is your family and certainly yourself. You're now family. I call your family now your first family because as soon as you get married, that person becomes your family. Your family that you grew up in becomes your family of origin. So the people who need to be prioritized in our life, my two cents on it, is our family, which is partner, children, if we have those, and then family of origin and the split loyalty when we have dysfunctional upbringings, which PS pretty much everyone did, is that it's very difficult to decide where to put our energy if we still have family of origin stuff going on. And yet you have a right to have your primary loyalty and consideration be to your family and family of origin is second. But if you like you and like me, if you were the hero child, then that becomes way more problematic because the sense of responsibility is so deeply ingrained, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And my husband and I both have have that story. His mom um, recently passed away from cancer, mm, which is very sorry. sad. Her May her soul have only good blessing for all eternity, but she just recently passed like in the last two months. And she was a widow his entire life, basically, since he's a kid. So it's very new that he feels released of that being a priority. Yep. And we both very much did that same dance. And so it's interesting because I pointed the finger so much at him <laughs> only to realize, oh my God, like there's so much going on on my side of the street. Yep. And and what you just said, you know, everything you've just said is just so important where can we follow along with your work? Where can we read and discover and take part in any of the ways in which you're continuing to teach us and help us and guide us? 
All right. So, well, you can follow me on social, which is I'm just at Terry Cole. Mostly I hang out on Instagram, but I also have a really beautiful community on Facebook for anyone who's still there with about, I don't know, 28,000 or 30,000 women, where it's just women in this group. It's called Real Love Revolution with Terry Cole. And that's free. And we just do inspirational stuff there. I have a course on boundaries that is coming out in October, where I walk you through. It's an eight-week process. Um, You can get the book. If you haven't read the book, if you want to read the book, you can get it at boundarybossbook.com, where I have a ton of bonuses for you. And if you're interested in Boundary Bootcamp, there's a wait list, which you can get to at terrycole.com forward slash BB 2021. Yeah. Oh my God, that's I'm it. And so it, in, in that course, you guys, oh yes, please, I will, first of all, it has to happen. Um, I've been following your work and your book and your, I've taken so many screenshots of things that you post on Instagram <laughs> just to have them as like wallpaper in my phone. It really is the most important thing. Like everything that we talk about you guys on this show, where we talk about like claiming the magic that's inside of you and building something that feels like your life's work, what always comes up, Terry, that I always say is it's not a business problem you have. It's a courage problem of some kind. It's, I don't know what people will think of me. It's, I don't know if I'm going to get rejected. I don't want to ask to be paid, right? I said that one before. Yes. Unless we are able to get healthy in these ways, mm-hmm. it's extremely difficult to, to navigate all of the ins and outs. So It is, but we can do it together. You know, Kath, it's like there's something so powerful about the like-minded, like-hearted folks coming together. And I'm so grateful and happy to be able to lead people on this journey towards real liberation, towards real authenticity, because it's tired. If, if we do this, we can't do it forever. You'll end up getting sick. We end up getting sick. I ended up getting cancer. Like there's a whole, it's not free. Do you know what I mean? I'm fine now, but I'm just saying you just can't. You just can't. Before we we sign off, can you tell us one positive thing that you've seen in your community where like an example of like, it could even be the simplest example, but how you've actually seen somebody get to the other side of this just to keep us ending on a possibility note. Well, I literally just had a live today with with one of my uh, courses and we were talking about boundaries and someone had been preparing to talk to her sister. They talk once a week, but the sister always wants to talk way longer than my, my person wants to talk. And she was concerned about telling her, but she wanted to, she loved their talks. They're just too long. She just doesn't want to talk as long. So she, you know, I have a whole way that I walk you through a proactive boundary success plan. So you get the language, the thing. And she just said to her, says, Hey, I, I love our talks, right? We start with something positive. And I really think because it's Sunday night and I got to work Monday, I would love it if we could just keep it to 30 minutes so that I get better sleep. And her sister was like, right on, no problem. And then when they spoke the Sunday after, their sister was like, hey, you better finish that story because there's two minutes left and we, or we can pick it up next Sunday. Like, and what my client was saying was how loved she felt. 100%. By her sister being like, not only was the sister not mad, the sister's like, oh, that's your preference and you don't want to be tired. I love you and I don't want you to be tired. It's beautiful. Just gorge, you know? It's so beautiful. And you're right. Like all of this gives us an opportunity to actually have intimacy and real relationships with the people we have in our life. And so give them a chance to actually know who we really are. And 
it's all just so beautiful and important. And I'm so impressed with you. Thank you so much for being here today. The best. It was so much fun, Kat. Let's do it again. I would love it. I told you, right? Isn't she amazing? Don't forget, we made a workbook for you based on the conversation that we just had with takeaways and some really good questions that you can like jot down your answers and you can put these things we just talked about into action. So if you want, you can download it. It's free. You can go to kathyheller.com slash 479. And if you think of someone you know who's trying to overcome any codependent tendencies or establish better boundaries, you should share the episode and you can tell them that you want them to listen to it. You guys can talk about it. You can maybe do the worksheets together, keep each other accountable because this stuff is is so important. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, having healthy boundaries means you know your non-negotiables and you have the ability to communicate them effectively and transparently when you choose. It means putting yourself first and knowing yourself. Number two, no one can authentically love us if we never let them authentically know us. Number three, practice a week of no instant agreements. Nobody needs an immediate answer from you. It's okay to slow down, create the space to respond instead of react. Number four, you're not that fragile. It's worth it to let yourself be uncomfortable for a healthier, more expansive life. Number five, you don't have to be superwoman for everyone. Let the chips fall where they may. It's not your job to make sure no chips fall. Deal with your side of the street. Number six, do a resentment inventory. Where do you feel overtaxed and unappreciated? We all have to change those boundary dances we've been doing for just such a long time. And number seven, step back. It doesn't matter what other people's situation is. It's not your situation anymore. Well, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I know that you have a million things that you can be doing. And the fact that you show up and you listen to the show really is something. And I I don't take it for granted. If you want to be the first to hear the new episodes we have coming up, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you have a second, please leave us a review and a rating because it really helps us out a lot and it doesn't cost you a thing to do it. Last thing, do you know someone else who would find Terry's advice valuable? If so, send them this episode and tell them they can get the free workbook at the end, kathyheller.com slash 479. And then the two of you can listen and you can both like use this worksheet and talk to each other and create some real results and support each other. I want to hear how you're feeling about these episodes and how you're putting this stuff into action. So let me know. You can reach out to me on Instagram at kathy.heller. Kathy's with a C. And Terry is at Terry Cole. That's T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. I know that she would just love to hear how much you like this episode. I love you guys so much. I'm going to leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you tomorrow. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Fresh coat of paint, change my scenery. Wake up. In-